1: All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. It is a sunny Friday here in Seattle, Washington. You guys, if you haven't been to Seattle in the summer, it is the best and only time that you should come. Beautiful up here. <laughs> David is uh, David Pupo is our guest today. He is an expert in, uh, in creative financing. And so we're going to dive into that because it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. Um, David, thank you very much for hopping on the show.
0: Gabe, my man, thank you so much for being able to invite me on here. I'm really excited to be able to share it with you in the audience today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I forgot to mention, David's from tripleoffer.com. So if you guys remember that URL, we'll remind you at the end of the episode. Um, So if you like what David says, which I'm sure you will, check that website out. So David, I told you before we got on here, we like to start with stories. So why don't you take us back to the beginning of your story? How'd you get started in real estate?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Originally I, I grew up in, in a family that actually had a lot of people that were in different parts of real estate growing up. My goal growing up was always actually to be a baseball player. And <laughs> I actually followed that vividly uh for a lot. For and, and for anybody who knows kind of like the Sun Belt states, we play sports three sixty-five, right? There's no winter winter, right? So we had spring ball, fall ball, summer ball, winter ball, whatever you want to call it. So so for a long time growing up, you know, I was only thinking that we were going to be I was going to be trying to get into baseball as a as a professional player for a very long time. Actually, uh, I was a pitcher and I started actually having really bad rotator cup issues when I was getting into that 18 years old. Of course, perfect time when you're starting to get scholarship offers and stuff like that. I had to sit out half of my senior year uh, from mm-hmm. pitching because of the issues that were starting to go on with my shoulder. Luckily enough, I was at least smart enough, and uh, I had a, a single mom who was making sure that I was still getting my education One, I was trying to become this, uh, this quote-unquote baseball star, right? And, you know, she was always saying she was, you know, thankfully my mom is still around and she's doing fantastic, but she was a single mom for me growing up, and she was my number one fan, number one supporter, and she always told me, listen, at one point this might not come into fruition. Like, you need to think about other things. Right. And thankfully enough, uh, I had somewhat of an ego, but not enough of an ego to just let my my academics go to the waste. So uh, luckily enough, uh, I got that news from a doctor. that My rotator was at that point where I was going to need surgery or I had to just pretty much stop playing baseball. It, it was one or the other. And at that time, I just uh, I just t- I just made that that reflective decision. You know what? Maybe maybe I'm at that point with baseball where I'm I'm done with it. So luckily enough, I was, I, I was able to get into a couple of colleges. And one of them was University of Central Florida. And I went up here to Orlando. And that's where I went to UCF. Like I mentioned earlier, I had family that was in real estate. But everybody was doing something different. Some people in my family were loan officers. My mom actually, prior to the, the recession, owned a title company. And then that, that wiped her out. Uh, and then my aunt was a really, really great real estate agent, but nobody was quite in the investment world. So I didn't know about that world until a little bit later on. I knew I always wanted investments. I always liked investments. Started being able to do like the Academy of Finance at school, and so like that was like a little club that we had a- at high school where we started our first mutual funds or start first ETFs or started uh, indexes. And Are it was you, in it was high fun.
1: school you started
0: these things, yeah. That's yeah fun. I mean we were we were kids right, yeah. Academy of finance, but it was it was it wasn't a lot of money we're talking about. they yeah, helped yeah. us out with understanding the strategies about it and then being able to set up an account where you only put like you know ten to fifty whatever kind of money you want okay. to put into it
1: your uh your loan money
0: it i mean yeah man, that was <laughs> that was it's funny. I'll get into that story a little bit later for the lawn mowing <laughs> money that's funny as heck but um. So, getting out of college, like I said, I was trying to get worlds of investments, had four internships, and nothing quite fit what I wanted. So I took a sales gig right out of uh, right out of college. And I can't tell you how much I hated that job and and its and it's not because of what the sales were about. It was really actually cool. We used to actually work with like mechanical and electrical engineers for a lot of defensive contractors here in Orlando. But I, I just felt like a cog in the wheel. Yeah, I was putting in the craziest hours, not getting the crazy amount of return on it. And I met my, uh, I guess, college sweetheart. Um, uh-huh. I met my college sweetheart. We, you know, we graduated together, stayed here in Orlando, and we were at a point of breaking up. Like when I would get home, I was just a vegetable. I was just, yeah. I would, I was annoyed. I was just shutting down. We didn't have conversations, a whole bunch. And I'd just go to sleep, repeat it. And I just felt like I was in this cycle. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. So I stumbled finally upon bigger pockets. And that's where everything changed. I got to to have conversations about understanding investments. And then the world that a lot of my family was about, of course, real estate. And so I started going to a couple of the local real estate investment clubs. And man, that's when that's when I was like, oh my God, there's like people that do this full time. I didn't know. I, I mean, you just listen to bigger pockets sometimes. And you're like, oh yeah, that guy just stumbled into it. Good for him, whatnot, right? <laughs> everybody so yeah, everybody says it.
1: they stumble into it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the Rios start making a really big, big emphasis on what I'm doing after work. At that time I'm still working that job. And I just remember I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was, I was just, I, I looked at my wife, my girlfriend now wife and I go, Hey, I think I'm going to jump in and do this. Uh, I, I I've, I've given this a lot of time, a lot of thought. And what's the worst that happens? I, I save up three months of expenses and if it doesn't work, then you know, whatever. I go right back into another sales gig, but something had to change. Otherwise, I'm gonna stay in this job, I'm gonna hate it, and we're probably gonna break up. And she could see that <laughs> like that was that was kind of where we were at, right? So she was she was very, very uh supportive of me jumping into it. That was in 16. I started with like a wholesaling brokerage here in Orlando, and I mean I never updated my resume since then.
1: Nice, man. I uh, I love your story and I connect with it a lot, um, especially the corporate grind. You know, I did the same thing. I was in corporate. I was in it for seven years before I actually made the switch. So totally get what you're saying. Um, if you got that bug, if you need to create something on your own, you need to make that leap. It's scary, but you got to do it. Um, and I like at the beginning of the, your story, how you talked about your mom uh, having the wisdom, um, which is always so true. My mom, you know, she saw who I was and she was just like, you got to go do it. And so love to hear that. Um it's interesting that you started you said wholesaling brokerage. Uh, I've never mm-hmm. heard those two before. Usually wh- wholesaling it's just, you know, uh an investor out there doing marketing, getting properties under contract and then assigning those contracts. Why y- you started with a brokerage and you do they only do wholesaling or why did you put those two words together?
0: Yeah. So What was a very big thing when I was still in 2016, so that's when I first started, being able to get inventory was still not that big of an issue. It was was making the turn where inventory was shorting, but places like Central Florida, South Florida just got pummeled so hard by the recession that it took so long to get out of it. So Mm. the, the MLS was still riddled with REOs, short sales. So... You could have a thriving wholesaling business that just worked off of MLS short sale and REOs, and that's what this company primarily did.
1: Gotcha, that makes sense. So once you made that transition, you know, you decided, yeah, I have this three months of cash, uh, yeah, I, you know, runway. I need to make this jump. You jumped into the wholesaling brokerage. How did the story go from there? It sounds like now you guys are doing a lot of flips. Um, and you are doing a lot of creative financing. Once you jumped into the wholesaling brokerage, what was the next step for you?
0: Right. So I was with the wholesaling brokerage for roughly a year and a half. That okay. was that was actually a really good. That was a great learning experience. Actually, you know, uh, for the people for the audience, REOs are real estate owned properties. So those are foreclosures, and then. For people who don't know what like a short sale is, a short sale is that somebody can't simply like afford their property anymore. So what they do is they, they come to a, essentially like a settlement with the bank. The bank essentially says, okay, we will forgive you of essentially some of this debt here, but we got to take over possession. It doesn't ding you as much as like saying a foreclosure does, but that was still a very big uh, market. So there were still really big pockets of Orlando that had a lot of them so with that with that brokerage we were getting a lot of those you start off in in dispositions so dispositions uh for the for the audience are people that are part of the team that their only responsibility is selling the inventory that the 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 company has right Mm -hmm. whatever the property is go find the buyer for it if you don't have a list of buyers that are buying in that area you got to go find the new buyers for it right so A really big strategy at that time for me was really just bandit signs. This is where hustle was just every day, all day, every day hustle stuff. Right? That's crazy. I I uh, was putting out. Yeah,
1: I tried bandit signs here in Seattle Um, when I first got started in 2014. I started. I tried bandit signs, and I got diddly squat. Like I didn't get a single. No, I didn't get a single call. And also, I noticed that like I would put a bandit sign at X, you know, wherever it was, and then I'd drive by the week, the next week, and it'd be gone. And they just got oh, taken yeah. down like left and right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had, I had it in my mind, 48 to 72 hours. That's mm, that's okay. the time life of a bandit sign to me. So if I put them out like Friday, I think by Monday or Tuesday, I have to probably go like put out new bandit signs in that same area. So so yeah, bandit signs were a very big thing. It was a very big hustle culture, right? That was uh, what I enjoyed though, right? I was around like-minded people who liked doing this. And since I didn't have a buyer's list starting off, I had to go create one, right? Going back to those RIAs, I was I was, I was, was at every single real estate investment meeting that I knew about in Central Florida. And then doing the bandit signs where I was putting out, I mean, I had the routine down pat. I would be getting into the brokerage's office. They even gave me a key because of like, I wanted to get there at eight o'clock and I would write out all my bandit signs. And then for the morning, I drive all to the different locations of where the the, the properties were, and I would spray like a like a one mile radius around it. And then in the afternoon, I'm setting appointments to get people into those houses and sell them.
1: Wow, that's crazy. That's a grind right there. Um, yeah, and this was this is all wholesaling. You were just putting these signs out.
0: All wholesaling. Getting I them on a contract. I was still working for the brokerage. Yeah, I'm okay. still working for the brokerage.
1: Um, and so I know. You know, I love your story. We do. We keep this at a twenty-minute podcast, but I and I want to keep going down that ro- hole. But I, I need to know about the the creative financing because you know you mentioned sure. uh, your 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 website is tripleoffer.com. dot um, mm-hmm. and that really connected with me because the first course that I took was always talking about the three offer method, and so I'm sure this came into play. At what point did you kind of realize that seller financing? Was uh, was a good strategy to use um, in single family?
0: Yeah. Fast forward, I'm out of that brokerage. Started my own company. It's called Florida House Buyers, and the the triple offer method starts making its way really right after COVID. Once once the Fed and the you know the government all were able to start making sure that these two, three, four were you know sh- you know shaking on five. Those kind of interest rates for these properties—a new asset class has now been created. Where, if we see it in our lifetime, awesome. You know, we it, it, well actually no, if we see it in our lifetime, that probably means something really bad is happening. So let me take that back, right? <laughs> um, but we we a lot of people you're hearing saying that this isn't going to be something that makes sense anymore, right? It's it was a unicorn to be able to get interest rates at these kind of uh, prices and interest and so. So long story short, with being able to start doing the the triple offer, we start having conversations with people where the interest rates are low, the mortgage payments are low, but in a lot of spots, especially here in Florida, the rent is going up like crazy. So now you have been able to create a margin between what the mortgage is. Hopefully we're talking full principal interest taxes insurance, so PITI, at like, let's just say that. $1,200, Twelve hundred dollars, but now we have now seen that the rent in those areas that were maybe fifteen hundred have now gone up to eighteen to two thousand in some of them. So now monthly cash flow is now a huge consideration for it. For a long time, it, it wasn't; it was kind of close, but not quite there. And and then from the subject twos, we got into a hundred percent seller financing deals too, and. I think that the the loose statistic is about one in every three houses in America is owned free and clear, right? And wow, I I, I did not noticed know that, that. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so so there's a lot of properties out there where the people are sitting on this kind of equity, and just because somebody hasn't presented it to them, they've never understood that that hundred percent of equity can be something that pays them monthly. And if they even want, they can put interest on it. But they can get more for their actual price now that they get monthly payments for it. This has been a really big strategy for people that don't want to be landlords anymore. They, you know, everybody's told them to be a landlord. Now they've been a landlord for a while. They have these tenants that just destroy the property, or then they move, and then they're like, "I don't want to deal with this anymore." And I go, "Well, perfect." The whole point of you getting property right. So this is this is kind of the pitch to the the people that are that are uh, the absentee investors. Well, the whole point of you getting into this, Gabe, was to be somebody getting passive income, right? That was the whole point of you buying a rental property. And more times than not, they're like, yeah, absolutely, that's what I wanted from this. I'm like, well, now here's your real opportunity. I go, how many times does Wells Fargo get a call about a broken toilet? How many times does Wells Fargo get a call about the eviction? How many times as well? And I, you know, I just go down the list and like, you know, after that point, they understand that the bank doesn't get calls about the day-to-day nuances of a house. That's uh, that's actually,
1: I've never heard of Mm -hmm. that framing, um, with seller financing when you're selling seller financing to a, to a seller. Um, I've never heard of framing it as the bank, um, which they are. I mean, there's, they are the bank, but framing it as, you know, think of Wells Fargo They're They have the biggest buildings. The banks always have the biggest buildings in the commercial areas. Mm -hmm. They always have the nicest properties, um, and so, framing it like, "Hey, you want to be this? Everybody wants to be the bank. So, this is how you can do it. You are now the bank when you, you create a seller finance note."
0: Yeah, yeah. When you lead them down that road, it comes to a revelation. They're like, "Oh, wow, you're right."
1: Yep. So uh, let's take one step back because um, we kind of skipped over exactly what the triple offer method is, sure. and uh, and what the three offers are, um, and why you Absolutely. do that. So. Take us to 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 the overview, the you know, from the the basics, what is the triple offer? What are the three offers you make and why does it work?
0: Absolutely. The triple offer is is just simply a sales tactic that is a tiered structure. Tiered structure meaning our our first offer is typically gonna be our lowest offer, right? That's usually gonna be like our wholesale cash as is. If Gabe, you, the owner of the property, don't want to deal with anything, you want a lump sum, you want it in 30 days, and you just want to be done with it, and your property is in really bad shape, this is going to be a really good one. But what it's used for, for the other people coming up later, it's really great for an anchoring approach, Yep. right? I have now gotten their expectations down here, so when I bring it back up, now this is going to seem like a better value, right? And real right quick, now, when
1: you mm-hmm. when you calculate that first offer, so the first offer, it's all cash, it's going to be your lowest. Um, how are you cal- calculating that? Are you doing 70% minus repairs? How are you coming to that offer?
0: Right. So it really depends on the location of the property, right? That 0.7 can sometimes go to 0.75, depending on how hot the area is, or it, it might go back the other way to 0.65 or 0.6. Uh, just depending on what I think the, the 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 you know the the temperature is in that surrounding area.
1: Yep, yep, that makes sense. All right, mm-hmm. so you, the first one's cash. Second two, what are they?
0: The second one has now been a pretty established one with the Novation offer. A Novation offer has really become a really great candidate for a second slash. I call it the like the the steering wheel offer. It's it's priced closer to tier 1 so it's closer to cash because what i ultimately really want is is the third why right? i want them to choose door 3 i want them to choose seller financing but the second one is that novation offer novations are brought into um, into fruition when the property doesn't really need a whole bunch of work maybe a couple things here and there but that offer is typically like 0.75 to like 0.85 0.85 is when when we're really being able to understand here, like the property really doesn't need much, but the people just don't want to deal with an agent.
1: Yep, that makes sense. And what is... I've heard novation so many times, even one of my partners. Um, so I'm on the commercial side. I don't deal a lot with single family, but uh, one of my partners loves novation and I've asked him before, don't get it. What is novations?
0: <laughs> a novation is simply a way of replacing your, uh, yourself in a contract. What has been one of the biggest limiting factors of wholesaling is that like you can't assign to somebody that is trying to buy a house with a mortgage right
1: Mm, okay
0: that's an assignment fee and more and most mortgage companies don't allow assignment fees to be recorded right but a novation is a great loophole where you can be able to now sell a property to jane and joe that have a conventional mortgage
1: Okay, um, so dig a little bit deeper. What? Uh, how does it work? Um, so generally, you just do an assignment. So if I got, you know, property A from from Joe Smith under contract for a hundred thousand, and I wanted to assign it for one hundred and ten thousand, usually I, I get it on a contract and then I have an assignment agreement. Write that up, sign that with another buyer. Um, and then we close that way. How is it different from the novations? Do you have a separate type of contract in place? hundred um, percent.
0: So I, I will walk it. I'll, I'll walk you through it really quickly with like a quick story. So Gabe, you're you're my seller, right? Gabe, I'm bringing in the second offer. Not many properties really qualify for this second offer, but I think yours does. It seems like it's in decent shape. However. There are a couple things with it that might limit it to being a full retail priced offer. However, I think I have a network of buyers for you for this property. So if you're comfortable with being able to net a certain amount, like let's say like I don't know, two hundred thousand dollars for your property or something like that, um, I can be able to get you the be uh, the right buyer for this property. And now. There's different paperwork that is used. It's not simply a cash as is like front side contract that you use like with a wholesale fee. There's something called a power of attorney, a limited power of attorney or attorney in fact. Those are documents that allow you to be able to make decisions on the seller's behalf.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: It is real and it is legal. I've had it underwritten by several title companies.
1: (laughs) Okay, interesting. And so then So uh... from
0: there, so from there, Gabe, I'm letting you know that Jane and John might want to buy your house. And now I can connect you two, and simply I get paid off of whatever the margin is, I am taking all the expenses out of what my cut is. So yeah, I'm making sure, Gabe, you walk away with $200,000. Is that fair? You said hmm. that you wanted 190, and I could get you 200 walking away money. Is that fine?
1: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they would say, "Yeah, that sounds great. I don't really care how you do it. Yeah. Just get me the money."
0: <laughs> yeah the the only the only stipulation is now you're you're in the world of of conventional. So, like, you're not doing this in thirty days. Like, yeah. time has to not be as big of a factor for that person. We're talking sixty to ninety days more times than not. So that's the second offer, right? So then we're going into and then you know where my promised land is, right? That is my seller financing stuff, right? So, so Gabe, we've gone through now the cash offer. We've gone through our, our concierge offer where we're a little bit higher. What if I'm able to actually get you the full asking price that you want? Are you willing to meet me if I can get you a payment upfront and payments over time?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Right. So that's the introduction to the creative financing.
1: Yeah. And that's the one, I mean, I do that in, in commercial too. I love that offer. It, it, is beneficial both from the buyer and the seller, like you said. If you're the seller, you get money over time, and everybody wants to be the bank. Um, so if you, mm-hmm. you can even do it, interest only. I love interest only offers where you say, "Hey, we'll give you six percent interest, um, interest only payments, and over X amount of years." And that really allows you to cash flow over those years. So I love that third one too. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And uh, cool. I I appreciate the overview of the three offer. Three-offer uh, letter is what I used to call it. That's what I learned back in 2014. Yeah. Um, and if anybody out there is just getting started, I would highly recommend doing the three-offer letter. It is. Uh, it also uses psychology, as I've heard, because 100%. People, if they get one option, then they tend to say no, yes or no. It's a binary. Um, but if they get multiple options, three options... Then it's really deciding which of the two that you want. It's not a yes or a no. It's mm-hmm. uh, do I want a, a you know one two three ABC. Um,
0: yeah, in our coaching program, we we also shorten that analysis paralysis for for our our newer clients. Right, they probably get into a world where they think that you know they have to be creative finance experts. So we teach them how to really be able to quickly assess properties. So they could be able to really, even if they were on the same phone call, make those three offers, they if they felt that aggressive or within like, you know, very short time frame of how to make sure that a property can be pitched in three different ways, because you're 100% right. It's a psychology factor there where if you're taking that time, that person is gonna really appreciate that you took that time. And more times than not, like, I mean, heck, I. I'm behind door one, two, and three at the end of the day,
1: yeah, whatever decision
0: work. that they pick, right? I win. And yeah, so I'm completely yeah. fine with either, uh, any of the three. Yep. Absolutely.
1: All right, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. It is time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? Let's get it. Let's do it. Starts with books or any form of education. I need two recommendations. Give me one for real estate and then one for general life wisdom.
0: Yeah, for real estate, if nobody... Well, I'll go with general life actually first. I think I've suffered from ADHD for a lot of my life. So a book that's had a lot, a lot, a lot of impact in my life is being able to understand a book like The Compound Effect, right? So that's by a gentleman by the name of Darren Hardy. And The Compound Effect is making sure you understand how consistent effort and consistent focus or consistent distractions your compound effect can go in a positive or a negative direction. And I thought, you know, we, we hear about that kind of uh, philosophy a lot, but the book does a really great job and really just uh, dumb uh, really going into it um, in terms of education for, for real estate. It's really funny, man, because I feel like I take a lot of courses to be able to learn from real estate, but I don't actually read a lot of books on real estate. Uh, so I've taken, it I doesn't have, have to be courses. a book,
1: yeah. Just e- even a course. Um, any your favorite form of education for real estate?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I would I would go with uh, Pace Morby has a really great mm-hmm. course uh, called Sub Two. Uh, he does a lot for his 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 students. So so I've learned a lot of my sh- like a different and deeper strategies through Pace. So the Sub Two community has been a really great one for for a lot of people.
1: Nice, yeah, I've heard good things about Pace Morby too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, moving on. This next question is for your younger self. So let's go back to the David who was still playing baseball, still thought he was going to go pro before that uh, that shoulder injury. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving
0: forward. I, you know, it's funny. I've I've thought about this one a lot because now I'm starting to like uh, mentor and, and like coach. Like I wouldn't call them kids, but they're like twenty three 24 or so yeah. so it, it's kind early of early adults I, I have that yeah i have that i have that that kind of uh, reflection often and the same thing that was 18 year old david pupo has been 31 32 year old david pupo too it's manage your distractions it is so easy in this world to get distraction distracted and many times distractions can come as a disguise and they seem like opportunities Mm. and there's been i think i think i'd be much further off in in not only my personal life but also my professional life with not understanding distractions can be disguised and we always think that they're opportunities and then you realize a year back like well i could have avoided a lot of this right yeah
1: that is a i feel like that is a really good piece of wisdom that only comes with time um because you're 100% right and it's so easy in real estate too to kind of get the shiny object syndrome where you yeah. feel like you're going after an opportunity but really you're you're diluting and dispersing your focus because if you try all the different strategies if you try to go you know buy self storage facilities buy mobile home parks buy flip single families do wholesales all this stuff um you really can't hone in on one strategy and really yeah. you know, become an expert in it. And so I feel like that is a that's a really good piece of advice for your younger self. And I would probably do the same for myself. So uh, love that. Moving us on to the next question. This is about your business. The first three positions we hire form the foundation of our business. So if you could go back in time, um, what were the first three positions you hired for? And would you do it differently if you did it again today?
0: Yeah. I would do it differently because I don't think I hired an executive assistant. Um I had a very limiting belief in myself that did I ever need an executive assistant. And once I got one I was like way to go man your ego got in the way. Right? right? Cuz I would say I would say that you don't realize how much you do on a day in day out that could be really delegated out to other people. So I would say that that would be one of my first hires really quickly. Um, the mistake I see a lot of people actually make is they delegate stuff that they're really strong in first, as opposed to stuff that they're very weak in. Um, I have, I've, I've seen it that if somebody was really good in, at closing deals, let's say closing with, uh, sellers that they're looking for people that are really good at closing sellers as opposed to, well, maybe let's find out where some of the other gaps are and we can fill those in first. Right. So I think it's very important for that person, whoever that, that they are do a reflection on what you feel like are your strengths and what are your weaknesses, right? Do you like being the person on the phone? Do you like being the person that's doing the systems and the operations? Like understand that because I don't think everybody should have the same one, two, three, but I do believe that like an exec assistant could help out with almost any of them.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, if, if I could give myself one suggestion to hire, get a VA executive assistant, whatever you want to call it. They, uh, man, they, they really help you out. And it's amazing once you do get one and you can start you know passing things off of your plate, you realize yeah. like, holy crap, I was spending a lot of time doing these
0: things. It's so true. I mean, for, for the longest time, I've had a pretty much virtual team. It's just as mm. of recent, actually, that we started hiring in-house closers.
1: Oh, wow. That's We've crazy. had a
0: very virtual team for roughly about a year and a half. Nice. Uh,
1: since, yeah, I mean... Since
0: February of last year.
1: Nice. Yeah, for real estate, you really, you know, via, uh, virtual works well. Um, it's it's well mm-hmm. suited for that, and you know, unless you're talking about on-site management, but the uh, the the back end can definitely be virtual, 100. Yeah. All right. Next question is about the U.S. It's a big place, a lot of opportunity out there. Give me the single metro you're most excited about investing in today.
0: Yeah. So it's it's funny that you bring it up like that, right? Because. Uh, with my virtual model, I've I've primarily targeted the southeast of America. Um, I like I like certainly a little bit more landlord friendly states, but what I am what I'm doing now is I'm actually going to be pulling back some of the reins on, on doing the southeast, and I'm going to focus primarily here in my state of Florida. Um, I do believe that there is just still so much opportunity here. And um I love being able to invest in the areas that I can still do what we call, you know, face to face appointments, right? Belly to belly. I like being able to do that and I can teach closers very well how to succeed very quickly in that too. Yep. So I would say that if I'm gonna be saying I'm bullish, I'm I'm gonna say I'm bullish for a majority of Florida.
1: Nice. Yeah. Florida's a good market. I mean, it's been it's been crushing it for a long time now. Um and especially like there's specific markets within Florida that are just Yeah, real well. All right. Moving us on to the next question. This is about marketing. This is a good question for you. It all starts with finding the deal. So what's your favorite way to generate leads?
0: Yeah. So this is another thing that I like to be able to take reflection on. right? Because all, all marketing is, especially when you're real estate investing, can you have more time to leverage or do you have more money to leverage? If money is no object, I would tell you Go for stuff that if you want to become like your very local dominant brand, like go to stuff that do radio and TV. Uh I would say then like, you know, your pay per click or billboards. Those are all going to be very great local ways to get brand recognition. Radio However, and if TV you're to do... actually.
1: I've I've never heard someone recommend radio and TV. That's uh it's interesting yeah. you focus on that one.
0: Yeah, well it's it's different, right? Cuz here in Florida we have a, a more senior citizens and they still watch they still watch t- a lot of TV and a lot of those people guess what? Have properties that have a lot of equity in them.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So if you're doing that, if you're doing more virtual, I I've, I've had really great success with PPC and cold calling when it comes to virtual.
1: Yeah, and um uh... PPC can definitely get expensive. Um, I feel like cold calling is yeah. it's it's the tried and true. It works. Uh, so if you yeah, it, just pick it up, dial that phone. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question is about luck. Um, you know, it all comes with the effort that you put into it. But sometimes when you have luck on your side, the it, things really do start to start to boon up and push you along. So if you could point to one moment in your real estate career, when what was your luckiest moment in real estate?
0: My luckiest moment in real estate. Um, man, that's a good question. Because the thing is with wholesaling that we get so many opportunities that come past us that sometimes I don't really quite call it luck. But I'd say that sometimes we we get a, certainly an opportunity to if That's what we want. You know, like uh, when I start putting in like a multifamily list, right? Even mm-hmm. though I like to wholesale some of them, I like to keep some of them too, right? So uh, I'd say that when we get some opportunities that were our very seller finance oriented or multifamily oriented, I certainly feel a lot luckier because I do know that they're very coveted, right? A seller financing deal with like two or 3% or or that we create the terms Uh, or on the other side, you know, being able to buy a multifamily. Honestly, a lot of it is just being very grateful for things being presented and just hopefully you have the knowledge on how to execute it.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, moving along. This is the second to last question. And this is about mentors. Um, none of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed significantly to your career today?
0: Yeah. Uh, so one of the guys I didn't mention who who I listened to on Bigger Pockets is now still my mentor to this day. And that's Tom Kroll.
1: Mm. Tom
0: Kroll ran Wholesaling Inc. Uh, and he's based out of Port St. Lucie. And when I was when I was really really trying to get my own business going, uh I would literally go drive like I would tell tom I would tell Tom like I only want thirty minutes of your time and that's like two and a half hours away. I would go sit down with him and Tom's still been a great mentor of mine still to this day that was back in twenty eighteen so so I'd say that Tom has been a really great mentor of mine within the uh, the real estate investment community. He's given me great opportunities and connections for sure.
1: All right, on. Well, shout out to Tom. Thanks for helping David get to where he is today. And that leads us to the last question. You've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out. Tell people about TripleOffer.com, and then how is the best or what is the best way for people to reach out and get in contact with you?
0: Yeah, here's my pitch, guys. When it comes to being able to get a seller, to get to a commitment, our triple offer is a fantastic way to be able to do that. And we are helping people get results, I can't tell you how many times people who are new real estate investors are just looking at things in a clueless way. They look at it very, I'm only making cash offers or I'm making these creative financing offers that don't make sense. And what we've been able to do is streamline the opportunity. It does not matter where you live in this country. It matters about the conversations that you're having with these sellers and how you can get results through a coach and through the right materials the quickest. And that's what we've been able to start doing with Triple Offer. It was something I had a limited belief on, but then I started getting consistent success from it. And then we started getting results for students with it. So then I was like, you know what? Let I, I need to let the world know that this is something that can help them out. So tripleoffer.com. It's that simple. Uh, you can find me on all social medias like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. It's my handles under TikTok and Instagram are at dollars with David, and then Facebook is just David Pupo.
1: All right, perfect. Well, I will put those links in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to David, get involved with the Triple Offer um, uh, Mentorship Program, go ahead and click a little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description in there. You can find those links. All right, man. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show.
0: Hey, Gabe, thank you so much for being able to give me the opportunity. Hopefully, your audience got a whole bunch out of this. And I don't mind being able to provide you some free documentation that can help them out, like maybe like a overcoming obstacles worksheet. It's one of the first things I teach our closers and our lead managers, because I want to make sure our people are playing chess when other people are playing checkers.
1: There you go, man. I love it. All right. Well, if uh, again, thank you. And if for everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the real estate Investing Club.com. And if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is you give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.